What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Thrash Talk. It's your boy, Grizz. I'm here with my boy, Sleep. We got an awesome one for you. But before we do, we're going to chit-chat a few minutes. Uh, Sleep, how are you, bro? Dude, things have been good. Things have been good, man. We're finally through that holiday season. Uh, I know by the time this airs, it's going to be February, but we're through all the craziness. We got some sicknesses in the house. You know, uh, kids are back in school. So stoked that the kids are back in school, you know, finally. Uh, I mean, it's it's awesome having the kids at home, but things are crazy. And I know that your season is like right in the mid flow. Uh, so what's going on with you, man? How have the competitions been going? And, you know, what, what's, what are we looking like? Yeah, uh, you know, busy schedule. Here we go. You know, we're kind of in the thick of it all. So, uh, you know, it was nice because the holidays were a little, little bit mellow. So we had a chance to, you know, grab an RV and go down to Arizona and get in some warmer weather. We had a friend getting married down there. So uh, we got to spend Christmas in a different light than we've had the opportunity to do so in the past, which was really cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, snow season's upon us so you know i've been going out and riding with my kiddo a lot getting getting clips of him just crushing it he's a little beast he's a little thrasher so that's been my biggest uh venture yet just in snowboarding in general it's probably my favorite thing to do to be honest um but yeah i mean we've got competitions stacked left and right you know uh world cup circuit at least for border cross starts off in finland and we go all the way through uh the end of march actually actually and um you know we go finland we go to germany then we go to italy and then come home for a little while and then we go right back over into it in canada and hit multiple stops there and then finally it should mellow out but big stack i was i was counting last night um 17 competitions this season um a lot of them are back to back so a lot in the mix at the moment and this is an off year for you guys this is an off year and uh and you just gave me so much anxiety telling me how many competitions you have (laughs) yeah it's it's an off year so it's kind of funny like we'll see what what the games year brings but in the next year will be a world champ season so you know probably more probably similar we'll see uh probably closer to you know 20 starts on those uh, on those years so yeah i mean welcome to my world guys <laughs> oh wow man you know it's it's crazy you know there's so many different sides to this sport there's the park there's the tricks there's the racing and then there's the flowy side the let's let's call it the surf side uh surfing on snow and we just got off of a great show and we're we're, we're bringing you the show right now with with aaron from elevated Surfcraft. this dude is a beast i'm really excited for everybody to hear uh what aaron has to say he is changing the game he's innovating and and that's what we need in these sports we need people constantly innovating it was an amazing one keith man i loved it yeah i love his mindset of i'm not just gonna mass produce boards for everyone like his whole mindset is like i want to create a board for the rider for the terrain that they're gonna be on and make it specific to them and also with that you know vibes have to match and you you'll hear more in the podcast but this guy has matched vibes to build his tribe and he's doing it right you know he's an artist he has that mindset not necessarily just go crush the mountain but 
try not to get crushed by the mountain and be one, you know, this fine balance of, of, uh, unison with the mountain, um, you know, really surf mindset, which I love. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say jealous, but a little envious of surfers in the sense of, you know, that beach life. And he brings all of that to the mountains and, I couldn't be more stoked. I wish we had more time. I could have sat and chatted with him for three plus hours and just geeked out on tech and all kinds of stuff. But what he's doing is something totally different in the industry. You know, there's only a handful of brands out there doing this. And anybody who knows anything about artistic boards knows the the name of Gentum Stick. And I even asked him, I said, is this the, is this going to be the U.S. version of the Gentum Stick? Because it is an art piece at the end of the day. And um, I loved his answer. And, and so I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Yeah, me too, man. You know, with looking and talking to that guy, it's like, it's like a breath of fresh air. You know, that calmness that you have, you take a deep breath and you exhale and that respiratory pause. It's, it's like, if I'm focusing on it, it's the calmest I've ever been talking to this guy. It seems like his whole life is that way. He's just living in, in that active state of meditation, just in that flow. And it's so cool. It's so impressive. I'm honestly a little jealous, you know, I'm anxious about everything. I'm always stressed trying to get all kinds of stuff done, man. They call me sleep. Uh, I never sleep. It's so, it's, it's so cool to talk to somebody like that. And, you know, hopefully I can learn some things from him in the future to kind of relate in my own life. Yeah. I mean, this guy seems to just go with the flow. And I think with that is full on just kind of living in that, presence of of now and and um gives him the chance i I, i'm assuming here but gives him a chance to just live in flow state a lot of the time which is boy you and i both could learn a thing or two i think uh in that (laughs) sense because we're always just go 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 and you know he is too but somehow he just seems so much more mellow about it so um really enjoyed the time with him and really appreciate that he was able to jump on thrash talk with us and just you know share his stoke, share his vibe, share his vision. And, um, I'm really pumped on these boards. I I can't wait to try one. It it seems like right up my alley, uh, you know, to be able to paint the canvas, so to speak. Love it. Love it. Uh, so for, for the shredding sassy social club, we will be in Colorado the first week of March, uh, for, for a community meetup, uh, we're looking like eight to 12 people there. We're going to, we're going to shred the mountains. We're going to hit Vail. We're going to hit copper. We're really excited. And hopefully we can bring in that section of the elevated surf craft community from the Colorado chapter and, and we can check out some of their boards. So I'm really stoked. Hopefully we get to do that here, uh, here in March next month. And, uh, you know, if you're liking what you're hearing with trash talk, go ahead, like, uh, subscribe, uh, add the comments, we need everything we can get. Get it on Spotify, on Audible, on Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. We're having a great time, man. This is uh, this has been fun. Yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Woo! Nice. Uh, yeah. So I'm Aaron Leibowitz. I am the creator, shaper, founder, owner, operator of uh, Elevated Surfcraft. Uh, it's a snowboard brand specifically designed to bring surfing back to the mountains. Uh, A lot of the inspiration came from uh, guys who were shaping boards in the 70s and 80s, winter stick and and sims and barfoot, all with uh, these surfer mentalities uh, and how could they surf on snow. 
Um, growing up skiing and snowboarding, that wasn't really in my field of vision. Uh, late nineties, early two thousands, uh, Olympics, X games, twin tips, flips, jumps, uh, rails, park, you know, all kind of became this jam, um, big mountain conquering the mountain, uh, mentality. And, uh, you know, as I kind of matured in my riding, those kind of things, uh, didn't really resonate so much anymore and uh, I kind of started gravitating towards the older soul rider and uh, following their trail where are they going to where are they sniffing the pow out to what boards are they riding uh, you know ending up in all these these garages and man caves with these you know oh back in the 80s before we had bindings you know or before they allowed snowboards on the mountain you know this is what we were riding um and then growing up as a surfer uh, in Southern California, Malibu, um, that was always kind of like my mentality and of approach. Uh, but the equipment never really promoted that. So this has been a, uh, we're almost getting to a 10-year journey of refining and creating shapes that stimulate uh, a surfing experience on snow. Man, I love that so much. And, and you know, going over, uh, you know, your Instagram, your website, and and really following your community uh, has been really cool to see. And I want to reach back to what you said about, you know, the thrashing, the mountain really was something that you kind of moved away from. Were you ever, you know, one of those thrashers that were just getting out there and, and, and you know, hitting park, um, you know, flipping, spinning, uh, getting out of the pipe was that ever you or you have you always been um you know the the malibu surfer looking for that flow state on the mountain oh uh, well, i kind of have a little johnny tsunami story where we moved from the beach to the to montana about uh nine years old um went through a series of depression as the fall came around uh until we discovered that snow could be slid upon um at that time, snowboarding wasn't really a common thing, so I kind of got thrown on skis, uh, which evolved into the freestyle uh, ski club, um, and and that was that was very. Um, it was kind of a focused on on this uh, Olympic sport of like bumps and jumps. Where you kind of go straight down sure. the fall line as fast as you can, hitting all the bumps along the way, a couple jumps in between, and try to hold it all together. Um, so that it was like competitive. Uh, it was it was pretty extreme for its day. Um, you know that kind of played out for a little bit until we uh, kind of started playing with this idea of a more freestyle expression around the mountain. Uh, we had kind of heard of these twin tip skis coming out, but none of us could really afford or access them. So we were taking our skis, boiling them in, in a pot of water, sticking them in the deck, cranking the tails back and oh, creating no our own little little tips out the back so that we could ride backwards. And we kind of had this posse of, you know, going out, building these kickers in the, in the, you know, back or side country where the ski patrol wouldn't knock them down, uh, jibbing on all kinds of things. But it's like park wasn't a thing. 
And then park became a thing. And we already kind of had an advancement on that. It's like, oh, well, I already know how to do these jumps and, and these tricks. And now I can kind of actually go to a big resort where they've groomed in this perfect 30 foot kicker, you know, fully calculated with launch and landing. And, and, and now we can kind of do that. So I kind of rolled that all the way through high school. Um, and suffered a couple injuries because of that too, kind of the pushing it. Um, you know, but we were also kind of, again, pretty far away from the, the park esque, uh, environment. So that wasn't really a big inspiration where, you know, there were more guys who were going off in the backcountry to, to climb these mountains and get these, you know, beautiful lines or, or the resort that I was at, it was only open Thursday through Sunday. So every Thursday was a powder Thursday. So it was all about going and getting the powder. And it wasn't like, you know, gnarly extreme terrain. It was actually pretty low angle. So bringing some kind of extremeness to that, jumping and jibbing off of things while, you know, going through. But yeah, it just kind of like seemed like the the guys that I was kind of looking up to, um, you know, were really the ones who had kind of like dedicated their life to this winter pastime to going out, being out there with their friends, uh, really enjoying the freshness of it, uh, always experimenting with, with different equipment in order to do that better. Um, and then when I left high school to go to college, I was trying to figure out where I would go. And because snow was such a big part of my life at that time, uh, I ended up Googling universities near Whistler and ended oh, up at the cool. University of British Columbia, which was an amazing place unto itself with our temperate rainforest and a nude beach and, and weed is legal and you can drink at 19. And it was just a party. And then they also had a bus that came right to the dorms at 5 a.m. to bring you to Whistler for first chair. And I probably put on 70 days that first year season and Dude, ended that's up solid. Yeah. A little too solid for my, uh, my class <laughs> load sure. for education purposes. <laughs> but when I went to Whistler, I somehow had this feeling it's like, you know, I've kind of maxed out skiing or I could, you know, if I was going to keep going, it would go into this big air and competitions and park and whatever. And, uh, the year before my senior in high school, a friend had given me a snowboard and I had gone out maybe, you know, six or seven days and like kind of figured the thing out and it happened pretty naturally. No lessons, just jamming with a couple friends. Oh, got to keep up. And then it's like, I kind of liked how it brought me back way back down to the simplicity of it. So when I went to Whistler, I just brought the snowboard. And from that point on, I never turned back. Sick. Dude, you said something, a couple things, actually. Um, the first thing was you were talking about the early days of park and that sort of thing. And, you know, I've been in the industry for quite some time now. And I remember those days. And I was one of those people who, dude, I'd get broke off every time I'd hit one of these massive jumps, you know. And they're not even massive compared to today's standards. But trajectory would be off just barely. I'd 
degree or two and all of a sudden you're going flat or whatever, whatever happens. And so I was one of those people like you who was like, you know, I would, I'm personally going to take this to the back country. I'm going to learn air awareness by dropping cliffs and that sort of thing versus like just hucking myself off a jump that's hard packed that chances are I got 50, 50 of even staying balanced in the air, let alone stomping it out. Um, and that's, that really resonates with me because I rode with a crew who were like all kinds of good. And my whole thing was like, I'll rip through the park with you, but I'm not hitting those jumps. I'm not hitting those rails. Really. I want to take it to the back country. And so a lot of us had taken the skills we had already had and wanted to progress, but with soft landings, with lower, lower, uh, consequences to high impacts and stuff like that. Um, so that really resonates with me because I'm primarily a big mountain backcountry rider. You know, I compete, uh, on the Paralympic side for, for snowboarding and, you know, um, my whole thing, like I'm known as, as a racer technically, but my whole soul is in the backcountry. That's where I find, uh, I get to be most free and, and enjoy. And uh, that's where I always say, like, that's where I feel closest to God, whatever that is to anybody. That's where I feel like I actually get to be one. Um, so I really appreciate that you mentioned just the old school days of parks where, you know, you were sustaining injuries and that sort of thing just because of what they were at the time, you know, and now that most of them are perfect in every aspect so that they can be as safe as possible. But um, yeah, that really resonated with me. And then going back to Sleep's original question of the, you know, kind of that unison of the mountain, you know, that resonates with me as well. When I was reading up on your bio and that sort of thing, I was like, oh, this guy, this guy gets it. Like, it's not a battle between elements. Like, sure, there is that once in a while where you've got to you've got to win, I guess, out there. But it's really to me, it's like this unison of the rider and nature, and you get a chance to really have this dance versus this this face off in a sense. Do you think that you found that in age? Do you think as you've aged, I know we're, we're, you and I are probably on our, our latter half of our thirties right now, Aaron, I don't know how old you are, but I know as a kid, man, I love spinning. I love flipping. I loved hitting the biggest jumps that I knew I was capable of hitting. However, now, you know, man, I love cruising on my longboard, just cruising. I love surfing again, just cruising. Nothing, nothing crazy. I'm not ripping crazy turns, aerials, nothing like that. I don't have that skill. But just being out there, being in nature and just, you know, that 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 meditation, that act of meditation is out. I don't know if that's what you call it, but um, that's just amazing. It's amazing. It's where it's at. Yeah, I definitely feel that. And, and it might have come with, you know, come with age. I never really was a, uh, a competitive sports person. And, you know, and I think skiing and snowboarding kind of like kept me away from being a basketball jock or a football jock. Um and yeah, you know, and it was like even doing the freestyle competitions is like, well, this is just the way for me to one progress and train and become the best rider I can be, but also to hang out with my friends and do these activities, you know, go to these different places. That'd be cool. It's like, oh, we do our two runs of competition. Then we actually get to go ride the rest of the mountain and meet all these other riders. Um, so I never really had that that competitive nature uh ingrained in it but i i saw it and i saw it developing uh and i saw you know snowboarding skiing going into the olympics as a competitive sport um which always seemed a little strange to me like 
I I definitely understand that there is uh, an element of of training involved, of performance involved, but but comping that up to other people or or trying to conquer the mountain always seemed a very bizarre aspect, uh, like a humanized element put onto this thing that's like you know the difference between a sport and an art form for me it's always seemed like an art form oh give me that big open palette and so i can just go and lay open my turns and paint the canvas however is most in alignment with who and where I am, the equipment I'm on, the conditions they are, the terrain, how that's featuring. If I can most align all those things together, to me, that's that it becomes this active meditation. How can I most be attuned to exactly what's going on beyond myself? Just bringing myself into this bigger equation and lining all those things up together. And when you hit that turn with that G-force in under that wind lip and all those things just kind of have lined up together to put you there in the light this way and the, this way. That's why I love, you know, filming and, and creating more versions of art for that. If I can create the tool itself, if I can, you know, stylize myself and my movements to match with that terrain and hit it from this angle with this light. And now we're, we're painting this whole picture. It's just a very different, you know, thing. And I I guess I've always resonated with like the free surfer, you know, the guy who's like, like, oh, all you guys are, are competing uh, on two-foot slop at Huntington while I'm over in Indo surfing, you know, overhead barrels with nobody out. Like, why would I choose to be doing that? And, you know, if you're in a high-density population and you need to stand out and that's, you know, your way of making your way through the world, okay, you know, totally. And I, I think that there is definitely something to the competitor. Um but I resonated very early that I wasn't that. And so for me, it's always like, how can I get like five feet further away from anybody else's track? Because then I'm getting fresh pow. And that's right. all that really matters to me. That side stash, that side pow, dude, that's, that's, I live for that some days. I mean, I live, I live just outside of Aspen, Colorado. Um, and so we're on icon and all that other stuff and we definitely have our busy time of the year. And, um, I'm some days I'm just looking for one slash one slash. It's almost like golf. It's like, it's that one shot that keeps me coming back, you know, in the sense of like, I mean, snowboarding's my life. It's my, my heart and soul. But, uh, sometimes it's just that one slash that makes me want to go out tomorrow. And, and, you know, if I am battling the elements half the time, it's, it's crowds, not, uh, not the mountain. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that a hundred percent. When I was looking at some of your videos and stuff, did you have a really unique stance? You're talking about kind of gear setup, all that kind of stuff. What's, can you give us a brief overview of your stance? Cause I know it's super unique uh, in general, but it's also, you know, very, Stances are particular to the rider. Everyone does something a little different usually, you know, with the exception of the freestyle guys, I suppose. Um, Give us a quick breakdown, if you wouldn't mind, of your stance width and your angles and how that helps you lay that perfect carve or arc that perfect turn, uh, slashing that, that, that snow to paint the canvas. 
Yeah, I would say my stance um, has kind of evolved from uh, two elements. The, the first one being the directional board. And, and, and that, you know, I kind of started picking off of like these hard booters, right? On these like, you know, narrow racing hard boots. Have, but like they're on the, I've seen them and it's like they're on like 45, 30. Like they are super posy posy, very close stance, almost a mono ski, you know, but they're still in sideways stance. So watching them was very inspiring to see how they could apply their edge control using their body mechanics. So that was like already one thing. It's like, oh, well, these guys know that if they engineer their stance directionally, they can optimize their riding versus a twin tip stance, essentially, you know, being a way that you can, you can dual, you can ride forward and backwards, but you're kind of sacrificing high performance in either way. Um, you know, yes, it's a great skill to be able to ride both ways, you know, switch and regular. Um, but because of that and having a board set up like that, it really kind of decreases, yeah, the optimization of the board. Having a directional board allows you for more nose, less tail. That means more float and quicker maneuverability. You know, some of these like key things is like, oh, that's more important to me to float better in powder than to, you know, be able to ride backwards. Like, okay, then the second part of that would be coming from a surfing background. I set up my stance exactly how I would naturally pop up on a surfboard. And now that was an interesting one too, because when I first started surfing after, after being snowboarding so long in this twin stance, I was jumping up twin. I was jumping up duck footed, you know, every time in the squat stance and every time I get up, I pitch over and I couldn't hold it together and I couldn't understand why. No, I should be good at this. Right. But without the bindings, and, and moving the board from the foot, then, then the body was, was falling off, you know, from the platform. And once I kind of watched more guys and, and got a little bit more tuned in that if I uh, put my front foot more forward and instead of toe to heel, I was rolling over kind of from big toe to, to pinky toe and allowing that to be, then all of a sudden my body shifted more open down the line. I had a lot more range of motion on my backside and, and the smallest nuance could actually affect the board. So now instead of turning from my feet, I actually turn, you know, from where I'm looking and where maybe my hand is. Cause if my hand opens, my shoulder opens. If my shoulder opens, my hip opens, my hip is opening, my whole body is pitching over and everything sets in motion from there. So it's kind of just come off of that. And it's like, well, you know, and people set up their stance like, well, how would you pop up on your surfboard? Here's, here's a yoga mat, like go ahead, pop up, you know, and yes, it might be a little different from a shortboard, you know, longboard surfer, but it's like getting them into that general idea and leading with the hand, like, okay, about shoulder width. I'll ride between about 27 and 32 in the front foot. Back foot has kind of played with zero, but more, I'm moving more posy about six degrees so I can bend the back knee in versus pitching, you know, bow legged out. And 
somehow in there, it kind of just lined up. So it makes total sense. I'm thinking about, you know, popping up surfing. And and I would say that my back foot is likely, you know, forward canted, you know, probably a couple degrees. And it's, it's interesting. It's something I'd never really considered. It'd almost be awkward popping up in a, in a duck stance on a surfboard. It actually would be, it'd be super awkward. It's, it's, it's so awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've so definitely kind of... tried it and that board slips out from underneath you every time. Like there's nothing I can do about it unless I am slightly posy. Yeah. And on a surfboard, you can adjust your feet, you know, while you go, they can be narrower, they can be wider, you know, your back foot might, might open up for this maneuver and it might close down for this maneuver. Snowboarding, you kind of just have to like pick a median of that, what something that, that kind of goes that direction, but not too extreme in any one way. So you can keep playing it. But I played with all kinds of stuff like rotating base pads or or sliding on channels or, you know, there there's all kinds of different free your foot kind of ideas. And it's like, well, dude, if you're going to do that, like just go pow surfing, like screw the bindings completely and and just go without. And then you really get that. But, you know, why bindings became a thing, the same with why edges became a thing and side cuts became a thing, because if you want to ride your board on a resort, you know, you're getting on the chairlift, you know, you're dealing with variable conditions, you're dealing with hard pack and not powder that you can kind of suspend into. Those were kind of those key features that like made the difference to be able to safely maneuver and now perform maneuver, but on the resort. But when you're not on the resort, like when we're in Alaska, it's kind of like, why am I having bindings? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm just power surf this thing and, <laughs> and it totally works. So you kind of have to play around with those. Yeah. Sick. I love it. You know, I went from super thugged out, you know, as banged out of a stance as you could get from like, you know, the early two thousands, Mark Frank days, you know, super duck footed, all that. My knees started going. And then like, as I progressed into like a competitive world with snowboarding, especially, so I race border cross. So like that is a very different beast in and of itself. And I actually went all the way up to what was it? 24. And I think posi six to posi nine at one point, I backed it off. Now I'm at like 18 and negative three. That's kind of my sweet zone. Um, to be able to hold edge on both sides on hard pack and, and whatnot. Um, so I love hearing this kind of stuff because as sleep knows, like I geek out for days on, on people's setups and tech and all this other stuff and love hearing what makes people tick on that side of things. Cause everyone is different. And like I said, stances are unique to the rider. So appreciate your thought on that. Really do. The innovation piece is is so interesting to me because recently we had Bob Klein on here and, you know, he's an OG snowboarder, uh, Tahoe, first half pipe ever, him and his buddies. I mean, it was just really cool to hear how they were innovating, innovating with the old winter sticks and, and what they were doing to kind of push their limits and and, and test new ways uh, to, to make it down the mountain. So it, it's awesome to hear that as a child, you did that, you know, with your skis and then and that that just kind of formed into your your, your lifestyle now and what you're building and and you're doing some crazy stuff. Stuff. You're all over the world. I think you were in Morocco for a couple of weeks, reading about your uh, your bus tour across uh, across the Sierras, the Cascades, the Rockies. Man, uh, it, it's so sick, and and it seems like you're doing it with a community, uh, with a community that you've developed on your own, a community of uh, snow surfers. 
talk to me a little bit about that community. Are, are you guys meeting frequently? How does that work? How does one get involved? How does one, you know, become a member of the Elevated Surfcraft community? Yeah, so it's a very organic play. And, uh, you know, if I would have like, thought of it more like maybe it would have been a little more structured and, and planned out and stuff but it's like it really came from okay so i have this kind of crazy bizarro product that i'm you know trying to get out there and it's not for everybody but maybe and usually at any given mountain on any given day there's a handful of people who just might be interested enough. And, uh, you know, so we started rolling around with the bus and we just park at the base of the hill. We'd put the boards out, you know, and, and it wouldn't be one of those like, oh, this is the demo tent and like come by and we're going to turn your binding and stuff and like have to be somebody who's really like, what do you got going on over there? Or like, oh, I remember, you know, I used to have an old Sims that looked like that. Or some of the like these little conversations that start going. It's like, oh, yeah, dude, you know, these are my boards. You know, I'm making this and doing this. Oh, that's really cool. Like, you know, are you are you selling them? Are you demoing them? Like, what's the deal? It's like, well, if you want to ride one, like, I'd be happy to go out and ride with you because, you know, it, it almost came to this point where it's like I don't ride with snowboarders anymore. Snowboarders have a certain pace and movement and momentum across the mountain and approach that like I just don't quite resonate with. It's like I'm taking my time. I may be moving on this. No, dude, I want to go to the green run and I want to make, you know, a hundred turns on this green run while you're just. Poof. So it's like I really only want to ride with other people who are on the same wavelength. Oh, you seem to be on this wavelength. Yeah, let's go take a run together. Oh, we ride the run, ride the rest of the day. Oh, dude, I really like this board. Da, 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 da. You know, I'd really like to, you know, buy one. And, you know, then it always comes as like, well, the price point is it's like, well, dude, you know, it was actually more valuable to me than you paying full price on this is if, you know, let, let's call it, you know, 420 special, 50% off. And for that other 50%, like, you know, here's a batch of stickers and and you are going to promise me that you're going to ride, you know, four days a week and you're going to spread the stoke. And if you do that, great for a year. Next year, I'm going to send you two more boards for your buddies. And now you guys go ride. And... Collectively, collectively spread the stoke. And so then they go and then it's like, oh, then I come back next year. And now all of a sudden there's four of them and they're all riding together and they've kind of created this new posse. And then that posse, you know, they go from uh, from Tahoe and they go up to Bachelor and then there's a Bachelor posse and then that posse gets together. And now it's like, and we have these crews in Japan, we have these crews in Italy, and across Europe, we have these crews in Chile. And all of these people are now naturally like finding their community. It's like, hey, man, like, I, I've seen you on Instagram. I know you're down in, in Santiago. You know, do you have any hookups? Oh, hey, bro, why don't you just like come and stay at my house and I'll like introduce you to all of my friends. And we were all riding elevated. And it just kind of starts to generate 
this very organic, but it's like it's a community based off of not necessarily proximity or, you know, what is what is the coolest, but more like the people. It's, it's like a party wave. Everybody's Sick. on the same wavelength and enjoying the ride together more so even necessarily than their own personal performance. But then when you get them together, it's like, oh, this guy's been dialing in this board and this guy's dialing in this board. And wow, double hand carve, like, da, 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 da. like can you, how do you do that? Can you show, oh, now this guy knows how to do that. And it just kind of spreads a little bit and a little bit. And, you know, there's so many so many people in this world there's so many different types of communities and there there's so much you know competition you know who's the best and who's this and to just have you know and snowboarding is this awesome thing that sits outside of all that and so the ones who like really appreciate that and go a little bit further with that they really you know oh you're like that too oh cool like let's be friends I love it. I love it. Like snowboarding in general is just kind of an against the grain activity in the, in the first place. And, um, so that, you know, I started on skis also. And so that really resonates with me because it was something I wanted to do from the get go. And I didn't really actually resonate, like fly on that same wavelength as, as all the skier kids. And it wasn't until I started hanging out with this snowboarder buddy of mine that was like, Hey, do you want to go, do you snowboard? Do you want to go out sometime? And I was like, well, I ski. And he's like, bro, you got to get a snowboard. And, um, you know, I've told the story of how I acquired my first snowboard quite a few times now, but, uh, at the end of the day, as soon as I strapped that thing on my feet, it was like, oh my God, I'm finally free. Like I get to do my thing, express my way. And I get to do it with people that kind of see it the same way as me. So I love that you've kind of created this little subculture of a subculture of a ski industry that really wasn't accepting of it in the first place. Um, it's it's sick how you're going around and just sharing the stoke with people. And if if they resonate and you guys vibe, all of a sudden you're building this tribe. I, dude, I love it. This is sick. I, I couldn't agree more. And and Aaron, I know you're short on time and I know that there's, there's so many more things I want to talk about. I had this like long list. I know Keith, you sent me over your list of things just because yeah. uh, we're, we're so stoked to have you here. We're stoked to know you what we'll do is is we'll set up more in the future, but I just texted you over something. If you can kind of look at your Instagram, man, I texted you over if it's possible, if it's not possible, no worries. Uh, so we have a social club ourselves. Uh, it's a shredding sassy social club. We're a part of it. And, and we are a group of uh, geographically dis dispersed shredders who, who are looking to connect in different ways with one another. And we are really hoping that we can connect with you more. Uh, we are based on a digital asset kind of grant you own, into that club we had one of our artists create a special one for you aaron aaron it is the dopest one i've ever seen i've seen a couple of these aaron i hear we hear you laughing we can't see your oh face God. right now i need your face back because our our artist jurassic kings is is such a dope artist he does all of his work for free he's a community member uh he's a part of the shredding sashi social club he did that art for you and i'll tell you what when i told him we were meeting with you he put that together in like two hours he he Dude, he's a g yeah just just crazy and i was so excited he sent it to me probably like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I was like, I want to send this to Aaron right now. And I was like, Oh, I want to I, like, it's just so dope, man. So we'll, we'll definitely show that on the screen here during the, during the podcast when this airs, but man, how dope is that? 
Amazing, guys. Thank you so much. I, I feel honored to be a part of the community. Dude, Dude I, I mean, when so I saw it, I was like, this is this is from what I know of the guy, just from looking him up and seeing the photos and everything. I was like, oh my God, this is him. This is the perfect rendition of an actual human that it's the best one we've seen so far. I mean, I've got a sick one, but that one is it. It's top tier. It's the best. Thank you guys. Thank you. So dope. Uh, so dope, man. Yeah. So sick. I'm stoked. You like it. Stoked to have you part of, part of the crew. Um, I got one more question if we've got time, you know, I know you went over, I know you went over to Japan and had a great experience over there. Can I just ask, is like elevated surfcraft like the American version of the Gentum stick? Or is, are you headed that way? Because we all know like the Gentum stick is like, in my opinion, it's one of the highest regarded snowboard for handcrafted stuff and, and made for, for the rider itself. Is that, the, is that the trajectory of elevated surfcraft? I mean, that was a, a major inspiration. Um, along with the entire Moss movement that kind of um, predated Gentum Stick. Um, and and to be over there and ride uh, with Gentum riders and see how those boards work in the terrain and the conditions um, and, and also this very mature uh, and artistic riding style that goes along with the equipment. Um, so yeah, so major inspiration, uh, and their inspiration very much came from that uh, winter stick in Sims back in the eighties. Uh, and they kind of just continued progressing through there where here we went to twin tips in the nineties and kind of started moving in that direction. They just kept refining and refining and refining pretty much to create these, uh, Ferraris, uh, of snowboards. Um, and you know, a lot of me like looks back and is like, man, you know, I could have just like, you know, got a quiver of those and kind of just done that. Um, but there were a few pieces of the equation that, that were missing, um, for, for me. And it was like one, the boot size, the width of the board, all those boards are designed for this smaller foot, like a size nine, eight, nine boot. And, and, perfectly balanced for that but when you start bringing a bigger rider on um also some of the materials are a little more uh fragile and delicate these beautiful bamboo sidewalls um which under the the temperature and the conditions of soft snow in japan uh work really well but when you bring it over here uh to the u.s and we have you know harder icier paired with a more charger of a rider um, wasn't really sustainable, uh, mixed with a price point. Not everybody can afford that Ferrari to have that experience. Um, but so it's like, like th those were kind of some of like some of the pieces to it, but then it really came down to more. It's like, like a surfboard shaper shapes, especially for their local break. They know how the wave that they live, all the nuances of their particular wave. And while most boards could work in most waves, you know, with the right rider who can adapt, you know, according to that, having something that is actually tunes, a you know, specifically for that wave or for that style of rider ends up making a huge difference. And so snowboards 
they're kind of this this open source, you know, kind of area where, yeah, you could put a patent on this or you could put a patent on this. But, you know, and yes, if you're making boards for 100,000 people, it needs to be as generalized as possible. But if your focus is really on a particular demographic for a particular job and style, then you kind of start tuning in. And so that's where, you know, we've made our boards wider. We use polyurethane sidewalls. We've we've kind of created a board that can handle the charge of the North American rider. We made we made a board for a size 1415 boot rider. You know, our, our salmon fish, where these guys have never actually felt what it feels like to hold an edge because their toes are always dragging. And so that's kind of where, you know, and, and, and Karua kind of they're doing their thing over in Europe and it, it's having this m- regenerative movement. But, you know, by kind of getting these different shapers who are, who have different backgrounds in different locations under different conditions then you get a whole variety uh that can kind of meet whoever you know the particular person who's who's looking to get their equipment yeah i love it it's all about art it's art mixed with um the durability to handle an american man or woman who wants to just charge and slash and thrash all over the mountain, but do it in an artistic form. Dude, I love it. I love it. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Aaron, man, thank you very much for coming on with us today. Uh, so stoked to continue to integrate and, and learn more about you, learn more about your business. Why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find you, where they can find Elevated Surfcraft, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll close this thing down today. So you can find Elevated Surfcraft on Instagram, Elevated underscore Surfcraft, uh, on the web, ElevatedSurfcraft.com, and keep an eye out for a colorful, uniquely shaped board uh, with a stylized rider at your local mountain, um, and, and usually a couple of them riding together. Uh, say hi, introduce yourself, and uh, ask them for a ride, and they're usually probably pretty happy to share the experience with you. Man, man, we're out in Tahoe. Not in Tahoe. We're yeah, we'll be in Tahoe in April. We'll have a sassy uh, social club meetup in Tahoe in April, and we have one in Colorado the first weekend of March. We're gonna hit Copper. We're gonna hit Vale. Man, I'm hoping I see some uh, some elevated boards out there. Maybe I can uh, maybe I can ride one. We'll see what happens. I'll try to find somebody. Well, if I'm not out there personally, we'll get the uh, Colorado Surf Club out there to join you. Let's do it. I'd love that, man. Let's hook it up. Uh, Well, thank you again. Uh, This has been a great one. Uh, We'll talk soon. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Appreciate Appreciate your time. All right. Join us on Thrash Talk. You.